2: Greetings, happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in today on the Steve Day Show podcast on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Don't forget, you can always subscribe right here on iTunes, or if you're an Android user, Stitcher. Please do, and when you do, if you like our show, or even if you're not a subscriber, you're listening for the first time, but you like it, leave us a positive review. It does help others to get... Uh, or help to get the word out to others about what we're trying to do here. It's one way you can help support our show other than listening to it, which we appreciate that as well. So anything you can do to help us help you is much obliged here at the Steve Day show. Steve at com is the email address. Last name is spelled D E A C E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day show. Todd and Aaron, are here alongside, we just finished wrapping up today's show for CRTV. Let's give the audience a little taste of what's to come later today. Aaron, I'll start with you.
0: Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of talk about the uh, hypocrisy and the layers of irony as it pertains to uh, the GOP, the media, and Trump. And as you unleashed during the first segment uh, today, the, 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 the irony is just palpable of what these people deserve and what they're getting right now. And it's it's I, I thought it was quite entertaining. Self-awareness is dead. Yep. Todd, what stood out to you? Well,
1: we kind of learned that uh, regarding Trump and this much-promised uh, awards for the press, uh, it's kind of like the joke, do I look like a guy with a plan? Because when he's just riffing and apparently going off at f- – You know, four o'clock in the middle of the night, that's better Trump concerning the press than when he's got some time to think about it, because this was just a nothing burger.
2: Yeah, they had the ultimate troll, and then they ruined it with their Obamacare website last night. So we get into that and a lot more, including, I think, a a major strategic blunder by the Democrats. That and more today on the television show, CRTV.com is how you can watch promo code DACE if you're not yet a subscriber is how you can get a discounted subscription using my name and that won't just get you a discounted subscription to our show but the entire archive of shows from every single one of uh, our anchors and personalities leading off with the great one Mark Levin. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE. I had already intended for us to have this conversation today not knowing some of the news that was going to break this morning. But it is almost as if Valhalla, eternity, providence, the timing of this. You guys will verify me. Verify this. The timing of this seems too perfect, but I told you guys this like 14 hours ago. We were going to do this topic on the podcast today, Mm -hmm. not knowing this is what we were going to touch on. Valhalla loves you. (laughs) Uh, And you may have noticed, we are doing themed days on the podcast this year. And the reason why is because it keeps with our theme, Worldview Matters. That's our theme for 2018. And the other thing too is we don't want to get bogged down in the daily minutia of approval ratings and polls and sound bites. It's exhausting. There's other places you guys can go to do that where the the person who does it can do it better than us and or has more energy and tolerance for it. We just don't okay so we're going to do themed podcasts this year and every day has its own theme monday is we look back on what emerged over the weekend tuesday all right we're talking about pop culture from a conservative point of view wednesday we play buy seller hold so we have a grab bag of topics friday of course is feedback friday we get back to you for getting back to us thursdays Several of you have said, hey, I missed the Theology Thursday Facebook Lives you guys used to do. Well, Thursday is now Theology Thursday on the podcast. We're going to talk about things explicitly from a theological point of view or events that impact people's theologies, as the case may be. Now, of course, if there's a major breaking story, we'll put those themes off and address it here on the podcast. But short of that... We think this helps us to also give you guys more of a wide, diverse range of topics other than why should we be the 75th show to talk about the same five sound clips and the same three links on Drudge? You know what I'm saying, right? So we want to try and give you some things maybe you're not going to get in too many other places, and that's why we're trying more of a holistic approach. Yesterday, I, I, I got into a Twitter exchange with Jonathan Last of The Weekly Standard yesterday afternoon. And he was just he was just posing the question. Really, he was posing it to Ben Shapiro. But with all due respect to Ben, who you guys know I adore, asking I thought maybe me as an evangelical might be a little bit more qualified to answer this question than Ben as a Jew. All right, and the question was: Is there anything Trump could do that would sever his connection with evangelicals? Now, we have discussed this ourselves ad nauseum throughout the entire this is a pre-existent topic before the birth of this new podcast on Westwood One. How many times did we do this show during the 2016 election, by the way? The primary cycle. I was working for the Cruz campaign. I was helping them do messaging, communications, strategy. And so I saw all the data on Trump and evangelicals and Cruz and evangelicals. And when you see this data, by the way, you can't really trust it. And, and let me tell you why. Well, when you see the public data, you can't trust it. And here's why. Because it, it, the, it's, it, the, the non-proprietary data, meaning the stuff that's not broken down and specified that costs huge money for campaigns to acquire, that news media doesn't want to pay for and doesn't think you're smart enough to understand anyway, means we have a tendency to loop people in into overgeneralizations. And so, anybody, any when the media says, "Are you an evangelical?" You may not even know what that means. You think you do, but they won't ask you any follow-up questions to say, "Well, quantify this for me." It's like asking someone if they're black, if they're white. It's a people group to the to the media polling. What we found in the Cruz campaign, for example, is if you went to church on a regular basis, which we defined as uh, once a month or more overwhelmingly you voted for us. If you called yourself an evangelical and did not go to church frequently, overwhelmingly you voted for Trump. Here's what we also found. If you called yourself an evangelical and knew the name of your pastor, and we would even ask him, do you know the name of your priest? Who, do evangelicals have priests? Who has priests? Catholics do, okay? Why did we use that questioning? because a lot of people think they belong to something. There's a lot of people living in a place like Atlanta, Georgia, for example, that think because they're they're surrounded by nine versions of Peachtree Street and there's a Baptist church, a first Baptist, a second Baptist, and a third Baptist on every one. And they take little Ellie Mae there in her beautiful Easter dress there once a year to each one of them, to a different one each year. The rest of the year on a Sunday, on a Saturday it's Roll Tide followed by I'm at NASCAR or at the gun range. Think they're evangelicals. And in reality, they didn't even take Ellie Mae to First Baptist Church. They took her to St. Anthony's instead. They don't know. Okay? They don't know. There's so much religious confusion in America. I could show you whenever I bring up theological topics how often people will say, put in a public forum with great confidence, things that are just not true. It's like someone tried to tell me yesterday, the Bible never talks about marriage. And, yeah. they use, and they put their own name on that. I, I saw that. This, I could do this all the time. This happens a lot. This is a, there's, there's never been a time of greater spiritual confusion in American history. And so the reason we would ask them, what's the name of your pastor, your priest, is to see one, if it, well, I, I, you know, I, I like Father Provone at, uh, at Second Baptist. You're not going to Second Baptist there, honey. Okay? God bless you. Enjoy next month's math. Well, next Easter's Mass, because you won't be back probably if you even do come back then. Okay? Enjoy sleeping in the next 51 Sundays is really what we're saying. So we wanted, if you could name your pastor or priest, you overwhelmingly voted for us. If you could not name your pastor or priest, you overwhelmingly voted for Trump. We saw this in every state we surveyed. I got the the Missouri primary data seared into my memory bank. In my mind's eye, I'm I'm hitting myself in the head. He's twitching, ladies and gentlemen. He's twitching. It's what the Missouri primary data did to me. Okay, it gave me an involuntary twitch. I'm cutting myself. I'm cutting myself. I'm red rom, red rom, red rom. Okay, I can even picture the data table in my mind. It is so seared in there. Okay, there was like a 23 point difference. Amongst people in Missouri, in the Republican primary, who called themselves evangelicals, they were by far the largest block of voters in the Missouri primary. There's only one state left in the union where a majority of the general population goes to church on a Sunday. That's Utah. Know what state is actually number two? Well, it was in our data. You know what number two is? Missouri is. 51% of Utahans go to church on Sunday. Now, they're not evangelicals. They're mostly Mormons. About 49.5% of Missourians, of the entire population, is what we mean, go to church on a Sunday. So they were the overwhelmingly Missouri per capita had more evangelical voters than the Alabama primary did. And what we found is about 23-point swing. Remember how excruciatingly close the Missouri primary was? How close that was? That was kind of our last gasp to win on the cruise campaign, was to pull that one out. It was a t- like a 23-point swing in Missouri if you knew the name of your pastor or priest, or if you went to church regularly, than if you did not. If you did, and you do, you voted for us. If you didn't, and you don't, you voted for Trump. In other words, a lot of people that were just buying into an identity politic, Well, I think I'm an evangelical because, you know, I think Jesus died for my sins and I believe in the Ten Commandments and voted for Reagan. You know what I'm saying? Identity politics. A very shallow level of understanding. I, I, I watch Fox News and, you know, they're always talking about evangelicals, you know, and I think Jesus is great, you know. I think the Doobie Brothers are right, man. Jesus is just all right with me. I mean, that's just, there's a lot of that. There's a ton of that. If you think low information voting is relegated to just Democrats, you are gravely mistaken. And so that's why you should also be very hesitant when you see exit polling or public polling on religious identity. Because they're just treating it as an identity politic. This is why this is... Well Steve you get you're always talking about the Catholic vote often decides elections. I just told you that's exactly right. Because largely, not always, but when you look inside the data, largely people that are Catholic that vote Democrat identify as Catholic as an identity politic. They're not not always, but often I'll just, I'll just defer to you and your own parish. If you took the average Democrat in your parish, Todd, and just set them down in a corner on your own catechesis, how much of their answers would be generic social justice language and how much of their answer would be Aquinas, Augustine, church fathers, you know, papal decrees, etc. Et 90-10 in favor of the former. Exactly. So correct me if I'm wrong on this. Okay, but... That's why. That's why a Republican who runs on a, a rec, uh, the only Republicans who win the Catholic vote run on a strong pro-life platform or message. Because if they don't, they get lost in all of the social justice meandering, working its way through the church. And those voters turn out and identify as Catholic. So you have to be very careful about how the press Do we really trust the same press that is still running articles on whether or not Jesus existed in the Washington Post editorial pages? Should we really be trusting them on our data points when it comes to the religious community? I would submit no. (laughs) Okay, well, and it it has nothing to do with whether they agree with our religious beliefs or not, but you need to understand the people here talking and, and polling. If you don't, then I don't know why we would trust your assumptions. That notwithstanding, and in fact, it's not even true that Trump won the presidency because of evangelicals, that's not even true. He did not get an overwhelming turnout of evangelicals. He got an overwhelming turnout of white evangelicals, okay? So right away, non-white evangelicals, majority of them actually voted for Hillary Clinton. White evangelicals, like 81% of them, voted for Trump. I think it's a his, from what I've been able to find, it's a historic turnout in terms of the share of that electorate. And and it breaks the record that George W. Bush received in 2004 when moral values was the number one issue in the exit polling and he surprised the pundits by beating John Kerry and he was the last American or Republican president to win the popular vote. Which means, just to be clear, about
1: four out of five white evangelicals nationwide Don't regularly go to church? That's what you're telling me? Um,
2: Yeah. You could extrapolate that data, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, listen, there's two reasons why your pastor is doing so many messages on money this time of year. One, he's a charlatan, and if he is, go to another church. The other is, you don't give enough keep the doors open man it's one or the other there's no middle ground that's why that's why messages about money make us so uncomfortable somebody's a fraud here the guy up on the stage or the one sitting there listening to him it's one or the other you know either he's the fraud or he uses so yeah I go back to one of my favorite lines from Augustine there are many sheep without many wolves within that is very true today so yeah the shallow level of understanding I mean I had someone with thousands upon thousands of Twitter followers hashtag something, last week tweet to me maybe if you stop talking about the fear of the Lord and embrace the Lord instead you'd understand God better Um, the most important book of wisdom in the entire Bible begins with what line gentlemen what's its opening line
1: Fear of the Lord is the beginning yeah, of wisdom. Yeah, fear of the Lord of the
2: beginning is, is the beginning of wisdom, is one of one of its opening lines, I should say. Yeah. That's one of that's its opening creed, really. After the introduction, that is the opening creed of the entire book. So there is a lot of spiritual confusion comprehensively. Any denomination, um, any sect, any any racial demographic within the church that gets on its high horse and and, and sneers at somebody else, man. You are on very, very shaky ground, I can promise you. I've seen the data. And then I saw how that data acted on election day. Repeatedly, in primary after primary after primary. I'm not smarter than you. I just have inf- I have better information than you have. I've seen it. Cruz campaign had the most sophisticated data mining operation any Republican presidential campaign has ever had. Ever. I paid top dollar for it. I saw it with my own eyes. There are, to quote the great prophet, Emin Otter, from his magnum opus Jug Band Christmas, there are some holes in the wash
0: tub. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that? That was great. (laughs) Oh,
1: 2018.
2: So, I had intended to have this conversation because of of Jonathan Last prompting this question before news came out today that the president will be the first to live on camera directly address the March for Life. Reagan never did that. Bush never did that. Now, the other Bush didn't. You could argue the first Bush and Reagan didn't have the technology to do it. They also, though, didn't go across the street to the thing either. Okay, so there's that. Um, The second Bush would have had the means and ability to do that. He chose not to. Last year, the vice president came in person, from what I recall. And then today, the Trump administration uh, announced that they are refurbishing an entire division of HHS to oversee and enforce rights of conscience in the federal government which has all of the right people losing their collective minds meaning all the people that told you their gay marriage was going to impact your life and we're lying about that the entire time are losing it today cuz they don't they, they're not going to get to let well, at least not in the federal government anyway get to let uh, their gay marriage ruin your life if you're a florist a baker a fireman right on down the line and those two developments coinciding with the timing of us doing this topic could not be more of a harmonic convergence because while we have approached the topic of Trump and Evangelicals as a show mostly from a lamentable perspective I tweeted something at the start of the year the reason I was never Trump is because I did not believe he would govern conservatively enough to justify overlooking the obvious character concerns. I do not have Trump derangement syndrome. I am not an absolute Trumper changing what I believe. Like my opinion on Steve Bannon, the poll show Steve Bannon is, is, is pawn scum now because Trump said so. That's not me. Nor am I the absolute never-Trumper like Bill Kristol, where I'm actually arguing now against capitalism and free market economics that my father, Irving, founded Commentary Magazine with with one of its intents to actually promote that ideology. And now I'm trashing it and promoting Oprah for president because Trump has broken me. I'm not that guy either. I'm not changing who I am, yay or nay, for Trump. And frankly, for any of you listening, or the two guys that I pay to come in here and help me do this show every day, f- for no none of y'all, no offense to you, you're just not worth my soul to me, but thanks. I'll take a better offer. I'm not changing who I am for Trump. When he does stuff I like, I'll tell you. When he doesn't, I'll tell you. But now we're into a murkier area with this question because now we're seeing him govern, okay? When you watched him campaign, when you watched how deceitful he was, when you watched how dishonest he could be, it was very difficult for me to just to to make assumptions that were good about him following through when he became president. But now we're no longer in the projecting phase, gentlemen, right? Right? It's like college football, my favorite sport. There's two seasons in college football. In the South, they say there's, re- there's recruiting season and the actual season. Everywhere else, it's called the eight months we spend predicting season and then the actual season. <laughs> we spend eight months W&L and everybody's records for eight months, 19 different top 25s, this is what's going to happen, this and that. There's that season of eight months of thinking about it what Keith Jackson used to call paralysis via analysis, and then there's the four months of the actual season. Okay, We are no longer in the projection phase with Trump. We're, we're gone. He's in office now. He's been in office for a year. We have a record. We can see how he's actually governed. And now for someone like me, who is still deeply troubled by the character concerns, his personality in many days I find personally grating. I can't stand it. I find it obnoxious to the extreme most days. And I think he has narcissistic personality disorder. And I really believe that. All the signs are there. But I have to set aside my personal thoughts and I got to look at what he actually has done. And there is no way you could make an argument if you are any semblance of a conservative and, and Trump just hasn't broken you. There is no way you can make an argument we are not better off that he won the presidency than Hillary did. Do you guys disagree with that? I don't know if you do. Tell me. Do you disagree with that? No. I don't know how we could make that argument. Do you disagree with that,
1: Todd? Oh. I think in terms of the last year and a simple pro-con sort of score sheet, I
2: agree with you. Only looking at public policy. Yes. That's all we're looking uh, at.
1: Beyond, I, and I'm not... I mean, you think along uh, on the same wavelengths I do along these lines. And in terms of a more existential evaluation, no, it all may be a wash. Right. Might, and
2: be, but and, and I would agree with you on that. But that would just, all be projection. But just purely, yeah. Purely but in terms of what we know, yeah. what we
1: know, just, just the pro con score sheet. You're you're right. In fact, I don't even think it's even close.
2: It's exceeded my expectations. Although going in, I admit mine were microscopic. So I want us to have this conversation from the pro side. We've often had it from how can we continue to justify blank side. Todd, you even coined the phrase Roll Tide Evangelicals. All right. I want us to actually have it, though, now that we have a record, now that he's governing the pro side. Because, and I said this, I was on a panel earlier this week. MSNBC came to Iowa, invited me to be on it with six other Iowa activists talking about Trump and Evangelicals here. In the farm belt, swing state, first in the nation caucus state. And one of the things I said on this panel is the assumption of you guys in the press's question. Essentially what you're basically saying is, hey, we, we expect you evangelicals. To hold yourselves to this extremely lofty standard while we are not holding ourselves to our own standard so we can make all the compromises and use all the cheat codes necessary to undo what's left of your way of life while you guys are over here upholding your standard to the nth degree. That seems to be really the implication of their complaint. How dare you guys dare to, to make some of the same calculations and obfuscations we're making to get what we want? How dare you guys do that? And a lot of you just decided they're just not playing that game anymore. You can agree, you can disagree. It is what it is. Well, now they've got some evidence. Not everybody that's playing the game with Trump is, is a fool like Robert Jeffress. I, I, I'm of the, I really believe this. I believe if Trump took Joy Reid by the stem of the neck, off of, right off the set in MSNBC, took her out to the South Lawn of the White House and put her down in cold blood, Robert Jeffress would be on Fox tonight saying, well, I think she kind of had it coming. Not the way I would do it, you know, but I mean, an eye for an eye that's where we're at but you don't have to be a sellout shill fool like Robert Jeffress to take a look at the fact your conscience rights and first amendment rights as a Christian are far less threatened today than they would have been if Hillary Clinton had won that does not mean they're not still threatened but they are far less threatened (coughs) pardon me anybody debate that no. no. The president now, two years in a row, has allowed the bully pulpit of the White House to force the media to cover the largest perennial protest march in America, the March for Life, when they previously ignored it and forced them to bring this issue to light. Does anybody dispute that? No. And Does anybody that's di- amazing. Does anybody dispute we have a far better replacement for— Ant- Now, we don't have a clue, really, what he's at on their life issue, but what we've seen him rule on every other issue is there any doubt we have a far better replacement for Antonin Scalia and Neil Gorsuch than we would have had if Hillary Clinton were president? Nope. Anybody doubt that? Nope. nope. Does anybody believe Hillary Clinton would have charged HHS, Health and Human Services, with the task of protecting conscious rights? Does anybody believe that? <laughs> of course. I can't even say with a straight face. I, I can't even answer with I a know. straight face. We all know in fact she would have issued the opposite edict. Hey, whatever's left of the little of the whatever's left of little sisters of the poor, she would have gone all darsidious, wiped them out. All of them. That's what Hillary Clinton would have done. She told us this in the debates in the fall of 2016. Do we doubt any of that? No. Do we doubt any of that? Do we do you feel as if the executive branch of the United States government, as a believer, do you feel as if it is openly targeting you and hostile to your faith the way you did the latter reign of the Obama years? Do you feel like that right now? No. Would you have felt differently, do you think, if Hillary had won? I'm
1: quite certain
2: of At it. the very least, the status quo of what made you uncomfortable before yes. would have been maintained. Yes. We don't know whether she would have dialed it up to 11 or not, but there's no question she would have dialed it and she would have not dialed it down. Do we agree on that? Yes. Now, these are things that our fellow evangelicals christian catholic believers that tried to get us to vote for trump these are the arguments they made were going to happen the counter argument our show made was i have, we have played this game all of our lives you played this with romney with bush it never works out and now you want me to play this game with a guy whose character concerns and and what he will actually do from a personal standpoint in the white house far exceeds Whatever concerns with we had with the Bushes and the Romneys, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're adding the extra baggage of his character. That's I'm not I'm not playing that game anymore. I know how it ends. I never win. I don't even end up with a lousy T-shirt. We're out. Is that essentially the show we the position we took as a show, right in that election yeah. and, and without apology, quite frankly. And I don't apologize yeah. for it now. But now that we know what the facts are, who won that argument?
1: Again, I've I've got to a- answer the same way I did before. In terms of one-year score sheet and with a big save at the end with this tax cut,
2: uh, they did. At the very least, we need to acknowledge the their points had merit.
1: But we acknowledged that at the time, too. It,
2: yeah, that's why we didn't go out of our way to snuff people out from voting for Trump. See, this is the angle of this story that isn't getting talked about. Let's say let's say you have an OBGYN that did a did an emergency crisis cesarean of your child. And mom and child were at risk one if not both of of not making it at this moment and he's able in the dead of night to bring your child into the world healthy and, and save your wife save your mom save the mother of your children's life and you find out After the fact, that years ago, he was hitting it with every chick he could find on Tinder. You know, disgracing his wife, their marriage bed, while she's at home raising their little youngsters, right? Okay, see where I'm going with this? Yes. Would that appall you? Would you, would, would you think... Would a Why would you do that? It would be deeply disappointing. It would be. Indeed. Would it cause you, though, to no longer be thankful for the fact that he saved the life of your wife and child? Of course not. You see where I'm going with this? The question that's being pondered right now is, why aren't you evangelicals losing your minds over Trump and, a, and a, that he may have had sex with a porn star 12 years ago? And... This is where a a biblical worldview comes into play. There is a hierarchy of values. One child steals something. Another child wrongly takes a life. Do both of these acts violate the Ten Commandments? Yes. Which one is a capital offense? Taking a life. Why because it's a hierarchy of what's of more value, stuff or people? People. No matter what it is, you stole. Is it hard to wrap your mind around one of the world's foremost celebrities publicly flaunting his reputation and his brand? in a way that could be embarrassingly exposed later on with a porn star while his wife is at home caring for their infant child. Are you appalled by that? Yes. Yeah. If he offered you nothing other than that, would that be a disqualifying act for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But but
1: it would... It might be a disqualifying act,
2: even it, it, if he did it, it offer good things. It might, yeah, and that's that's a matter of conscience. I don't debate that. But when twelve years later he decides, I'm going to beat the federal government's swords and the plowshares, and we're not going to put a, a, a you know a blade to your throat as a believer. Um, what's a higher value to you? Well, maybe the other one is more of a higher value to you. The point I'm trying to make, though, is. We're now into matters of conscience. These are not absolutes. They're not absolutes. And, and the Trump matter was pretty cut and dried, actually, before he got into office. It's not as cut and dried now, gentlemen. I don't think so. Because now we have a record. Now we're seeing him do stuff. I mean... take three seconds. I'm going to, count to the, I'm going to give everybody the count of three. We're going to forget everything we've seen him ever tweet the best we can. Put it out of our minds. All right? Forget the Mr. Bean slash Colonel McBragg act that is nauseatingly annoying. Okay? To people that just aren't, you know, fond stars of the president. The rest of America. Let's, let's take three seconds. I'm going to count to three. We're going to do our best. We're going to close our eyes. Take a deep breath and chase those from the immediate memory bank in our mind, the immediate sectors of our mind for a second, right? And then just with the personality out of the way, just lay out what's happening, okay? All right? Everybody ready? Yeah. All right. So take... We're not going that far, okay? Close your eyes. If you're listening, do the same thing. I'm dead serious. Take a deep breath. Three, two... One, massive growth in the economy. Consumer confidence has grown at its highest rate since the dot-com boom 17 years ago. Wages, bonuses on the way up. Major corporations investing hundreds of millions, not if not billions, back into the economy so they can grow their profit margins with less regulation and lower taxes as well. We are forcing the media to cover the March for Life when, for 30 years, for 40 years, they didn't want to and ignored it. We have instructed the Department of HHS to, instead of targeting people of conscience, we're going to force you, as a department, you're going to protect their conscience rights. We went to Saudi Arabia and we told the sheiks in their, to their face, we're not policing your religion anymore. You are. It's your job. Not ours. Clean up your own mess. We got enough of our own problems. We just had one of the largest tax cuts in American history. Speaking for me personally, I could end up making an additional $5,000 this year just off of this tax reform and these tax cuts. Now, let me just stop right there. I didn't even get to judicial nominees How do you feel right now? Forget names, personalities, tweets, turn off cable news, all of it. And when I just say these words, how do you feel? Well, we usually say it
1: with snark, but that's the reason I'm going to say it without any snark, because it's, it's undeniably true.
2: That's way better than Hillary. <clears throat> It's way better. It's way better than we would have ever thought we could have possibly gotten.
0: It's (laughs) objectively good, I would say.
2: Yeah. With Paul Ryan, with McConnell, still running Congress. So I think it's time now, the conversation with Trump and evangelicals, the worm has now, needs to turn. It's a different, in my view, it's a different perspective now before when we did not know how he would govern all of the utilitarian binary choice arguments well someone's going to win better than hillary we know what hillary would do. we don't know what trump will. all the fake arguments that in the past i used to perpetuate these arguments that's why i know they're fake i used to inhabit these arguments i used to pressure people with these arguments myself and then after taking the banana in the tailpipe time and time again finally decided I just couldn't walk out of another election bull-legged again, okay? But now that it's out of, out of all that's done now, it's, we're not in conjecture now. We're not in speculation now. We, we like truth, right? The, the little logo CRTB gave for our show, what's it say up there, Todd? What's truth, it say? Truth be told. The tr- did I say anything that wasn't the truth a minute ago? No. And I even left some good things out, like judicial nominations and other things. I think it's time to push back on the evangelical Trump narrative. Only because it has now gone from a legitimate questioning of, we don't understand how you guys overlook this guy's obvious character concerns. The same way we overlooked the Clintons. (laughs) We don't understand why you guys are like us. Now, there's some truth to that. In a way, it's almost a... Con- they're acknowledging. This is why Paul says there are law... the Unbelievers become a law unto themselves. They are acknowledging there is a higher standard than theirs when they criticize us for this. Let's not forget that and take some... And 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 we should be happy to hear that. That there is still an expectation somewhere in the culture that those who call upon the name of Christ are, are aiming higher than the mob. I'm we should that shows we're not totally far gone yet that there is still this expectation that we we can be better right that's good but now now that we have actually seen what he has done the conversation is now devolving the other way And it's devolving the other way into how come you guys don't care about all the moral preening we're doing into this guy's private life of stuff he did 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, which, by the way, we have been using your tax dollars to tell your kids in every public school in America for the last 40 to 50 years, all of this is okay as long as it's consensual, none of it's ever bad. How come you guys won't lose your poop over our moral preening and picking through the debris of of this fallen human being's life, as opposed to thanking him for the stuff he's doing that is actually improving your life? Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes. I think the equation has changed. I've been thinking a lot about this the last couple of weeks. And I've gone from entertaining the question of evangelicals and Trump, and the uncomfort level with it from our friends on the left and using it as a as an opportunity to show, yes, there needs to be a higher standard. Now, though, this has, this has devolved now. This isn't about a higher standard anymore. This is actually about why won't you make your standard ours? Now that we've actually seen what good Trump can do, they're basically saying to people like us, why don't you care about the bad stuff he did before rather than the good stuff he's doing now. If you have a child, Todd, that is an unruly child that you've been trying to reach and starts to do some things that are good, do you and your wife, when that chi- while that child is in the process of doing good things, you may not know whether they're doing them for the right reasons or not you kind of like, well, why don't we kind of let this thing play out? You know, we're, we're just kind of starting down the right road. Let's not all, you know, um, uh, start high-fiving each other yet, right? On the other hand, is that the moment when they do something good that you say, but three years ago you lied about what test grade you got and hid your report card? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Sure. Is that, would that Would a good parent do that? No. To me, that's the argument the press is making now about evangelicals and Trump before i get it to some extent but now that we're actually seeing him do good things they're basically telling us we're not allowed to acknowledge good things he does and appreciate them because of bad things he's done before well you know what if that is the standard todd have you done bad things before yes you do anything bad right now maybe like, anywhere in your life are you doing is everything in your life you're doing everything accusatory
1: good? there i had to think through it for a second but uh no, you know Aaron,
2: I mean, you, you it's a bad? long list you ever, you ever done anything bad before Aaron?
0: Uh, no, actually. You ever
2: made one bad end table, like one time ever?
0: Uh, oh, there was that. one. W- yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. There,
2: where there, there where yeah, you put something hot on and it's stained. You just mm-hmm. told him that was the polish, and it'll come right off. Exactly. You re- refinish it yep. right. Okay. So, you ever you're doing anything bad right now? I mean, if we followed you around twenty four seven, I mean, would it would would uh, we would we be canonizing you?
0: No, uh, you know, probably not. Probably I'm, not. I'm not going to be a saint.
2: See, the standard they want to peddle to us now is because of bad heinous stuff he did before, we can't appreciate and support any of the good stuff he's doing for us now. If that is the standard, you'll never get to support any politician that does anything good for you because they've all done bad stuff before, every last one of them. We can't play that game. We're no longer having a conversation about what's our higher standard with Trump. It's devolved now. It's devolved to, how dare you accept favorable public policy while we are pointing out to you what a heel this guy has been in his past it is one thing for us as evangelicals to say that before you have shown a willingness to do what is right because you belong to our tribe we will we will evolve who we are we'll turn nebuchadnezzar into a good comparison of somebody we'll call you another king david I think we did enough shows showing the fallacy of all that, don't you think? No. Yeah. And I wouldn't change a word With of vigor. a single one of them. Okay? But now we're going the other way. Now we're being asked as, as Christians to say, you're not allowed to hope people can do better because of the bad they did before. Mercy triumphs over judgment, guys. We don't do that either. We're, they're asking us again to change our standard for Trump. Except now they're asking us to change it the other way. One form of legalism for another. The standard never changes. He has been willing to do some things to uphold our standard. Why would we not be in favor of that? Because we don't like the external packaging? There's a lot of about it. I, I can't handle I can't listen to his voice for 10 minutes. It just grates on me now. Not enough, though, that I'm going to give that $5,000 back I'm getting in my pocket this year from his tax cut. You know what I'm saying, brother? You know what I'm saying? I do. Not enough that I'm going to tell him, hey, no, no, we don't want the most powerful person on the planet to make the world pay attention to the killing of a million babies a year because you tweeted something on June 12th that I just thought sounded like a total douche canoe. You know who acts like that? A child. That's what Bill Kristol's doing right now, and that's what the Trump shills like Robert Jeffers were doing before him. On the other side of the coin, just as we said not to play the game of adjusting your standards for Trump prior to the election, we're urging you. The exa- we're giving the exact same advice: don't change your standards for Trump post-election either. He has done plenty of good things to benefit us. Nothing wrong with appreciating that and celebrating it whatsoever. While you can also be appalled that the dude was knocking boots with Stormy Daniels in a hotel in 2006 while Melania was home taking care of Barron. Can you walk and shoe gum at the same time, Todd? Some would say no, but I'm confident yes. Yeah. Those track meets, or the cross-country meets you take Ainsley to that she dominates? Yeah. Does she always behave as a child Monday, the, the days leading up to it, like a perfect kid all the time? No. No. Are there some time she may be back talking to you and her mama a little bit? Maybe this got grounded, time or two had to be scolded, put in, in her place time or two. Indeed, she went out there into that cross country meet though and finished in first place. To cheer for her nonetheless. Amen. Did it make her less punished than she was before for talking back Never. to you? Never. See where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. Is what I've said the last fifteen minutes to make any sense at all? Oh, absolutely. Then make sense of it. You guys finish it off. What do you think, Todd? Start with you.
1: In the hands of a people that will follow what you said there at the end. We will not change our standard before the election or after the election. Uh, you have uh, nailed it. My, my one concern is, it's, and I, I provide this to you to follow up on, it's like I've said to you before, you, you are such a rarity in terms of your your passion for theology and politics while simultaneously being a video game nut and having a side gig as the sports guru, most people can't do that. Jack of
2: all trades, master of none. Well,
1: they end up wallowing in the sports and the video game trade pretty good, and they have no idea what's going on on the other end. You have struck the balance. You have to exceed at being able... To find that balance over and over and over again with this president because it's not just the deeds he did in the past Mm -hmm. that you might be finding out about now or new but it's the deed that might happen tomorrow and so that's the trick it's an ongoing daily game and it's everything you said still applies Um, it just is it's emotionally a lot to ask of people to engage in.
2: It is but self-government's hard. Yeah. It's why we're the longest sustained experiment in human in self-government in the history of the human species. Of, yeah, this is hard. If it was easy, we wouldn't be there wouldn't be an American exceptionalism. We wouldn't be the longest serving experiment concurrent serving experiment in the history of human freedom. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We would just be the next we would just be a re, we'd just be this generation's version of it just coasting off the fumes of what previous generations established. Yes, it's hard. Freedom and liberty are hard. They're not easy. They're not for the complacent. They're not for the lackadaisical. They're not for the uninformed. Yes, it's hard. But if a kid born to a 15-year-old mom who barely made it out of community college alive and tried to change his major at Michigan State University to super tech mobile one semester and then they threw him out for it, if I can do it, guess what? A lot of folks listening to us right now can do it too. A lot of people can. Just have to a desire, a little want to, you know? Little accountability, little responsibility goes a long way. Aaron, your final thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think you just made sense of, um, of the why with evangelicals as it pertains to Trump and their attitudes towards Trump. Uh, but I, I think there's a difference in making sense of something and whether or not something is right and just and good uh, in the long run. And the fact of the matter is that, uh, as you laid out, take away all of the bluster, all of the noise from Trump, what we have gotten out of him has been objectively good. I think I I, I think that I think that is not. If you're a conservative uh, of any stripe, I don't think that's up for the for debate. Um, is it still is Trump still the best choice we could have made? Uh, and I say we is Trump the best choice that conservatives could have made. You know what? That it, I, it's. I think it's pretty clear that it's no. The 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 moment in history is 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 clear that that answer is no. But we can't change it now. Uh, we can't change uh, the the history anymore. And uh, we are. I, I. I mean, we are where we are right now. It's it's. Uh, Cliche, but it is what it is, and what it is is, for what we've gotten from him, pretty good at this point.
1: Now the question is, how do we appeal to his vanity by saying thank you and simultaneously we expect more?
2: That's another whole other show. Man, I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that we even have the people um, necessarily that... This is it all just betting Achamable on the come with
1: him, though? That Maybe you can't do that with him. It's always just
2: a hope and a prayer. I think with Trump, everything's a negotiation and nothing is. And everything is posturing and nothing is. So just
1: hold on tight and hope for the best.
2: Yeah.
0: Do like the Turks did and hack Greta Van Susteren's Twitter account the other day and start Twittering, tweet messaging the, the president. Did you guys see that story?
2: I did, yeah. Yeah. But the Turks are our friends, remember? Huh, They're yeah. in NATO. Yeah. They're our buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for Theology Thursday here on the podcast. Don't forget CRTV.com, promo code DACE, to watch today's television show. Tomorrow, it is a Feedback Friday on the podcast. It's the DACE Group Roundtable on the television side. Until then, John 317.
0: is Steve
1: Dace.
2: I like it, you.